I can remember a time when I was visiting my brother and his family and being with my nieces. My oldest niece at the time was maybe about five years old. And we were in the playground. And she was climbing all over the different things in the playground. And there were some high um, bars that she wanted to use. And my, so my brother was like, here, let me help you. And she's like, no, I can do it myself. So he's like, okay. So he takes a few steps back and he looks at her and she's like happy he backed away. And then she looks up at the bars, realizes she can't actually reach them, and then says to him, you have to help me. So she was humbled. She thought too much of herself at first, but then when she realized the truth, she recognized she needed the assistance of her father. Humility is something we heard about in our first reading. And humility is all about truth. St. Teresa of Avila refers to humility as walking in the truth. We know that God is truth. And so humility is about being in right relationship with God. Knowing the reality of ourselves. St. Thomas Aquinas says that through humility... Uh, we are perfecting our wills. Because all too often, our wills tend to boost themselves up, exalt themselves beyond reality. And humility restrains that tendency that we have towards pride. Humility is all about truth. And the truth is, God is God and we are not. He is creator and we are his creatures. But the truth is also that to him, we are very important. To him, we are worth dying for, because he was willing to become human. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to be crucified in order to offer us the opportunity to be with him forever in heaven. So sometimes we think of humility as just like beating ourselves up and thinking too little of ourselves. No, that's a different kind of sin, opposite of pride where we degrade ourselves beyond reality, beyond truth. Humility is all about truth. St. Catherine of Siena was once being tempted by Satan, and he said, oh, look how great you are, all of these gifts that God has given you. And she said, well, compared to God, I am nothing. And then he's like, you're right, you're worthless. You're not worth anything. She says, to God, I'm worth everything. And he's like, I can't tempt you towards pride. I can't tempt you in the other direction. So he just left. Because she was living in humility. She was living in the truth. That we are so important to God. That we are worth so much to him. And also that we need him. Sometimes we tend towards pride and think we can get through our lives on our own. That we could be able to do all the things we want to do on our own, that we could be the best husbands and fathers, the best mothers, the best children without the assistance of God. But the truth is, all of us need God. The truth is, all of us are broken. The truth is, all of us need his help in order to be the best that we can be. The truth is, we need God. And we need to rely upon him and not on ourselves. If we want to receive that great gift of eternal life that he has to offer us, we have to live in humility. We have to live in truth. And the truth is we make mistakes. 
The truth is, we sin sometimes. And so when we acknowledge the truth of ourselves, that we need God, that we have a tendency to make bad choices and sin, then we can let him in and his love and his grace transform us and perfect us, to make us the best that we can be, to make us able to reach heights that we couldn't otherwise reach, like my niece and my brother. The Lord wants us to be humble. He wants us to recognize the truth of our situation. And the truth is, God loves us and wants us to be with him in heaven and tells us how to get there. He tells us how to live a good and holy life. And he tells us these things in many ways, through the commandments, but also in our Beatitudes. When we read the Beatitudes, we might think all of these different kinds of blessings are taking place, but really they're all pointing to the same thing. They're all pointing to heaven. They're all pointing to eternal life with God forever. When we go through the list, blessed are they who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, that one's pretty straightforward about going to heaven. But what does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to be relying upon God. It means that our prayer isn't something that we should try to control ourselves, because prayer is about relationship with God. And if you tried to, like, control your other relationships, if you tried to be the only one who speaks, if you tried to maneuver and manipulate the one you're talking to, it doesn't usually work out too well. I mean, think of how that would work out with your spouse or with your parents. Like, not going to go over very well. So it's important for us to be able to be poor in spirit, to be relying upon God, to be humble in prayer. And to recognize that God wants to speak to us in prayer. He wants to reveal himself to us in prayer. But all too often we're prideful and we try to control our prayer. And we try to do exactly what we want to do and we don't give God the opportunity to speak to us. We don't give him the chance to tell us what he wants to tell us. And the most important thing he wants to tell us is how much he loves us. And so it's important for us to be poor in spirit, to rely upon God. And that requires us to be humble, to recognize that we need him. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. When we say those who mourn, what are we saying they're mourning for? And why would they be blessed for being sad or mourning? If they're mourning because of the sins in the world, if they're mourning because of how God is offended by those sins, if they're mourning out of love for the Lord and mourning because others are suffering, others whom God loves more than we do, then we are blessed because we are sad for their sake. We are blessed because through that, that sorrow, we are loving them. We are being perfected in charity. And we will be comforted. Mostly in heaven, where there will be no more suffering. We will be comforted by being with God forever. Blessed are they who, meet, who are meek, for they will inherit the land. Meekness is about being humble, but simultaneously courageous. By doing what's difficult, even though we're afraid, but still doing it humbly. Not boasting or being prideful. Jesus was meek. As he's carrying the cross, he knows what he's about to do, that he's going to bring about the salvation of the whole world. But he's not, like, boasting about it, saying, hey, check this out, I'm carrying this cross even though I was brutally beaten and lost all this blood. I'm so cool and so great. 
He didn't do that because he was meek, because he was courageous in the face of difficulty, because he wasn't boasting but living in the truth. And it says that the meek will inherit the land. What kind of land are we talking about? Primarily the promised land, which for us in the new covenant is heaven. We hear, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Righteousness, living in justice, living in truth, where things go the way that they ought, where there isn't sin anymore. Those who desire those things and work towards that end, they'll be satisfied ultimately in heaven, where those issues no longer exist. Blessed are they that are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is where love meets misery. And in our woundedness, in the pain and suffering we endure here on earth, we need that love, that love of God, to interject itself into our lives, to strengthen us and heal us. And God calls us to be his instruments of mercy too, living out the corporal works of mercy, living out the spiritual works of mercy, helping each other, being God's instruments of mercy to each other. And in doing so, we will ultimately receive God's mercy because none of us deserve heaven. But because of God's love, meeting our misery, our brokenness, he offers us that opportunity to be with him forever in heaven. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Here on earth, we can't see God directly. We can only see him through signs and symbols. We can see him through the actions of others. We can recognize love in the world. But in heaven, we will see God as he truly is. God who is truth, goodness, beauty, love, joy. It's so far beyond our comprehension, it's hard to even talk about that. What it would be like to see God in the fullness of his glory and his splendor. But that's what's being offered to all those who are clean of heart who are detached from sin, all those who keep God first in their lives, that is what they have to look forward to. There was a priest that I know who, unfortunately, was going blind, and someone asked him what it is that he misses seeing most, and he said what he missed was seeing people's faces. Like, he could hear their voices, and sure, he can shake their hands, but he can't see their face because he was losing his eyesight. In heaven, we get to see God's face. We get to see what he is truly like. We get to see how delighted he is in us. And so it's important for us to live with a cleanliness of heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We should work towards peace. But not just the peace that is the absence of violence or war, but the peace that comes from being in good relationship with God. The peace that comes from having our Lord reign supreme in our lives, knowing that we are right with him. If we want that earthly kind of peace where there is a lack of violence and war, the way that we achieve that is by bringing the inner peace, the peace that Christ offers all of us. And that way, all of us can be with him forever in heaven as his beloved children. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Again, we see that heaven is the ultimate goal. We see that that's what God desires for us. But we also know in humility that not everybody understands or desires that themselves. And so sometimes those of us who are living the life of faith, those of us who are sharing the truth with others, can be persecuted or ridiculed. But the truth is God loves it when we still choose him anyway. He loves it when we're still living in that truth, even though we may be made fun of or persecuted, even though we may be ridiculed. He tells us to rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Because we would be imitating him in a way that we couldn't otherwise. If we think about it, Jesus Christ, who is the God of the universe, suffered greatly out of love for us. And through suffering, love is being revealed. And so when we suffer out of love for Christ, when we suffer because we're presenting the truth, when we suffer because we're Catholic and we're not afraid to show it, Jesus loves that we're loving him in allowing ourselves to suffer in that way. He loves that we're remaining in the truth, that we're sticking with him despite those difficulties and challenges. And so all of us are called to live in humility, that we are not God, but that God loves us so much he considers us worth dying for, that we should recognize the truth about ourselves, When we know we're loved so much by God, we're not afraid of our faults and our sins anymore. And we're willing to present them to the Lord, to be healed by his merciful love and grace. And so let us take a brief moment now to consider the truth about ourselves, how loved we are by God, how much we need him, and in what ways we can continue to grow and surrender ourselves in humility to the Lord who wants us to be with him in heaven Let us consider that as we prepare to meet him in the most holy Eucharist.